Welcome to Football After Dark Newsday. I'm your host, Jusby. Right now, What's I'm up, joined by. Oh, uh, uh, it's going, man. It's going. I'm joined I, by. I ruined your intro. How do you? How do you? You, 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 you just came that? right in the center of that shit. You stripped <laughs> it from me. You blew it. You gotta start over now. Today, I'm joined by number one Chiefs fan and a professional interrupter, Matt Dustman. Yo, that me. What up? And didn't seem streamy Hades today, Corey Clemens. That's me. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe. <laughs> so we have a whole lot. Yeah, a whole lot of news going on today. It's it's not too much, but it's big things. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of bigger stories. So we'll. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, the COVID updates. Um, yesterday, there were no new cases for Tennessee. Yay, they're going to play again. Except no, because there was new cases today. And then there was pictures that came out that showed Ryan Tannehill at the practice facilities with other players on the field doing practice stuff when they weren't supposed to be open. Oh, no, it wasn't even practice facilities. It was a public park. They were in a public park. Yeah, that's oh, there you go. They weren't supposed to be convening, and they convened. Yep, it's really, really bad. Absolutely breaking them, NFL protocols. And then, you know what happened? They got two more cases today, two new cases. Wow, big surprise. You know, it's almost like if you do that kind of shit, you're going to see more COVID cases. Oh, yeah. Almost that's like... Good. Almost like this is a contagious disease. Right. You know, just only on, only on Wednesdays, Corey. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if it's only on Wednesdays, you got to just play your cards. <laughs> uh, Cam Newton is asymptomatic. Uh, there, I guess there's a possibility for him to return sooner than expected. I think he still has to quarantine for a certain number of days. Um, we'll see what happens there. And then uh, the Raiders had an addition to the list yesterday. Um, they This is after uh, the Raiders got fined for Derek Carr and da- Darren Waller not wearing masks at Darren Waller's uh, charity event. Um, the Raiders are scheduled to play the Chiefs Sunday. So the Chiefs have... I think the league's just trying to get the Chiefs sick. And I think that's the only way they can see they can win. <laughs> I mean, evidently, two teams in a row that are playing the Chiefs now just get infected. They're doing... Stephon Gilmore infected today, and all everyone... The meme is him with a picture of him putting his face inside Mahomes' helmet and stuff. I mean, it goes both ways for that one. Uh, Pat Patrick himself said uh, he had a mental lapse there too. I'm sure, like you're when you're playing football, you're really getting close to some people, and then you're focused on football, and then after the play, you're still kind of in that zone and not paying attention too much. So there's mm-hmm. gonna be some mental lapses like that, but. Uh, we talked about it before that uh, 
the NFL's seat saying that, I mean, we had all these COVID cases on Tennessee and then Minnesota came out without any cases at all after they played. So it's like the contact from football isn't enough to. That's what it seems like, which is kind of wild considering, you know, all how full contact football actually is. Right. right. But like, it, unless you're a lineman, you're not really like in contact with somebody for very long at all, you know. I guess that's true, but now. All right. Um, we're good. Let's start off with one of Matt's favorite uh, topics. He's his take so far this year is the Carolina Panthers' offense is better without Christian McCaffrey. Yep, and I stand by it. Uh, Robbie Anderson seems to be the breakout player there. But I'd like to just point this out. Uh, Offensive coordinator Joe Brady came from LSU as the passing game coordinator and the wide receiver coach there. And he was the Saints offensive assistant for two years. Uh, The same offense that Teddy Bridgewater spent the last two years learning. Mm -hmm. So it's not... Maybe it's not Christian McCaffrey isn't as good in that system. He's just didn't get the head start that the passing game did from Teddy because mm. Teddy already knows that offense, you know, so he has a head start there. And so that in contrast, that made Christian McCaffrey's one and a half game game kind of look lackluster just because he's still learning the ins and outs of the offense. Right. That, that makes sense. He already knew. Robbie Anderson looks great there. Um, I know. Robbie, I always figured knew. Well, I think some of us in general knew how good Robbie Anderson could be, right. but when you're stuck on the jets, yeah, you know, it sucks. I, was, I always, I know I was always a big fan of Robbie Anderson. Uh, I know Kuiper was a fan of Kuiper or Robbie Anderson too. And then I, I don't know, but or you said you were, it just, he looks so good when he's utilized right as that too deep, deep wide out and uh, outside wide out. And then right has somebody experienced and confident throwing him the ball. And Teddy Bridgewater could have been, the quarterback for Robbie Anderson, he was on the Jets for how long? Like maybe one off season before they traded him to the uh, Saints mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago at the end of towards the end of preseason. Yeah. So I mean, this he might have had a sort of getting a rapport with. Robbie Anderson then, and it's just kind of pick up where they left off, you know? Mm-hmm. No, it's certainly very interesting. I I forget, did we, did we talk about little Bobby O'Brien getting fired on the show yet? Not yet. I guess we are now. Is it time? Is it time to... I think it's only about? fitting that he's the first coach to get fired this season. Well, we're going into this already. I figured we were going to try to get Kuiper here for this part. I At this point, 
take is good old time. We get his take from it as we're going. But really, though, I mean, like we we've been calling for him to get fired for literal. I don't even know how long now. Yeah, I feel like since the induction, because we're in what year three of the podcast, right? We're in year three of the podcast. Yeah, I feel like since the inception, we've been trying to get Bill O'Brien fired. I feel like we've been trying to get this man fired for three years, and they finally listened to us. Yeah, just just yeah. took him. It just took him forever. You made it just oh, in time. Nice. I need your Bill O'Brien takes. Go. He sucks. It's true. Shit. It's true. Bill O'Brien, as facing this, prefacing this, we got Bill O'Brien has been fired. He's had a 52 and 48 record, so just over 500 over the past uh, six seasons, and then the first four games this season. Um, he has four division titles in six years there. I saw a I can't remember who it was. I think it's one of the reporters for NFL Network. And he said over the last 24 hours, he's spoken to I think he said 20 different players for the Houston Texans. And he asked them the same question. And it was just had Bill O'Brien lost the locker room. All 20 said yes. I mean, I think that's just obvious. The, The team wasn't playing with any heart. Even Deshaun Watson looked like he didn't care out there. Monday before he got fired, I guess uh, J.J. Watt and the defensive coordinator got in like a yelling match with Bill O'Brien right before he got fired. Oh, God. Mm -hmm. Apparently they got into a fight during the Steeler game as well. That was reported as well, that there was a really big argument between J.J. and and Bill O'Brien like during the Steeler game. So not a lot of nuts. Well, like, I mean, I get that, you know, winning can mask things. And I really think that's what was happening in Houston was that they kept winning these division titles because they had the best quarterback in the division and the division for the most part has been very bad. So they kind of just kept de facto winning. And I think it just kept Bill O'Brien there way longer than Like a good example would be like if you took Matt Patricia out of the NFC South and put him in this division, I could see a similar situation to Bill O'Brien where, you know, you, you have the best quarterback in the division. You for a long time had the best defensive player in the division in JJ Watt. And because of Andrew Luck's injuries and the retirement and Jacksonville being inconsistent, Tennessee not being able to figure out what to do at quarterback, like they basically just won the division by default. But then if you would have taken Bill O'Brien and put him in a division like the North that has Aaron Rodgers and, you know, Kirk Cousins, who's decent, he's not great, but he's like a suitable starter. And then you have Chicago who, yeah, their quarterback situation is a disaster, but their defense is good. You end up, getting exposed. And I think Bill O'Brien just kind of coasted on the, on the coattails of a weak division and Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that Bill O'Brien was fired because he was a terrible coach. I'm going to say he was fired because he was a terrible GM and he mismanaged his roster. Yeah. That's, that's fair. That's actually 
after everything I said, that is an, an incredibly fair point. I think that's the like, most important thing. I think it's I think it's a little bit of from column A and a little from column B. Oh, I'm not even. He's had how many division titles? He had over two thirds of his time there were division titles for the Texans. You don't get that from bad coaching. Uh, the reason I think the reason why he lost the locker room is because DeAndre Hopkins was probably their best player. The locker room probably knew that, and then he went and got rid of them. So what's that? That probably shook the locker room up a lot, and they didn't know who to blame, or you know, they needed somebody to blame after this slow start, and they just went back to him. I'm not saying it's undeserving, but I'm just saying, you know. That I think that's what happened. Um, it's funny because you start to think of like what's next for this Texans team, and this offense is set up really, really similar to what the enemy has in Kansas City right now, except he doesn't have a star tight end. He has two like suitable tight ends. Yeah, Jordan yeah, Atkins like and, uh, that, you know, that star. Oh, well, no, no. Like, he doesn't have nearly the talent. But no, I agree. I think, um, I mean, you got just three deep threats as your top three wide receiver. That's the same thing that Kansas City has is just three deep threats. And then, uh, the star quarterback, obviously. Oh well, they don't have a running game. That's for sure. <laughs> they they they, cert- they certainly don't have the. I, I guess you Kansas are right. They didn't really have one after they traded or cut had a cut uh, Kareem Hunt for a bit for a minute. They had a suitable run game just because nobody. But it was a out. super. It was a super by committee until Elair yeah. this year. Yeah, but he's stacked the box against Patrick Mahomes. Well, yeah, that's that's not a good thing to do. That's that's a recipe for disaster. <laughs> now, I think we all made the joke in our group chat of <clears throat> Deshaun being free. I think one of our friends posted the gif of Andy Dufresne from Shawshank with the when he's in the rain. Yeah, like I can't help but feel that way. That's just that that is the perfect image in my mind is just that. Except it's it's Deshaun Watson. I, if this season continues the way it is for the Texans, which more often than not, when you have an interim head coach, things don't tend to go well. I think um, they're ready to just throw the towel in this season. Right. Yeah, I mean, their interim home head coach, by the way, is Romeo Cornell. Uh, he's not going to be their head coach after this season. Let's just right. yeah, get that out of the way. 100%. Um, Romeo Cornell has only failed with two NFL franchises being the Browns and the Chiefs. I I still like my take that I post in the group chat, depending on who you bring in. I think you might look to move Deshaun Watson just because he's you're paying him all that. They have $225 million in 
contracts on their roster at this moment. He's the one they're going to be paying the most. And he's also the piece that could get them the most for the rebuild that they're most likely going to have to go through because the talent on this roster isn't great because, like I said, Bill O'Brien mismanaged the fuck out of this roster. I would. If you come in and you can trade Deshaun Watson and get Trevor, this all hinges on being able to move up to get the number one pick to get Trevor Lawrence. Because if you don't get Trevor Lawrence, it's kind of like moot because I'm not, he's the most highly anticipated quarterback coming out of college since Matt Ryan and Andrew Luck. Like, that's how good people think he's going to be. So if he's nearly as good as either of those, I think it's a, I think you can do without the talent of Deshaun Watson. That means you're going to get even more pieces to put talent into the scheme. Yeah, but like, how many exactly more pieces do you think you're going to get along with the guarantee cap that you're going to lose? Because you already paid him a shit ton of money. Right. Like so, so that part of it's already after, gone. After, after this year, it, it'd be off the books for them. You know? Right. Well, yeah, because you'd be, so you'd be if traded. If you're unloading that cap, you're getting, and you can get two first round picks when you don't have a first round pick this year, plus a couple other picks. I think you could easily. I don't think there's too many teams right now that would turn that down. I think look the only Chicago, look at the Jets <clears throat> like. I don't think there's a lot of people that would turn down Deshaun Watson. I think the only other thing that I think they would do is you retain Deshaun Watson because he's the most important player on your team and you try to do the same thing with J.J. Watt. Like, obviously, you're not going to get as much for J.J. Watt as you would for Deshaun Watson. You'd be lucky to get a pick for J.J. Watt at this point in his career. I, I... I think a team would be desperate enough to give you a first round pick for JJ Watt. Dude, uh, Dallas Cowboys. I can see dude. it happening. Hey, right? Jerry Jerry Jones would be all over. Oh yeah. Jerry J-Y. Jones. Jerry Jones would do it. Bill Belichick would do it. Um No no, there's no way uh Bill Belichick would do it. There's absolutely no way Bill's gonna give you a high round draft pick for a a formerly great player that's had three back surgeries. What about what about the Seahawks? They have like no pass rush. I don't think I don't think I don't think anybody does it like honestly. Well no, it's it's not to get the high pick. See like the end goal if if you go the route where you keep Deshaun Watson and you get rid of JJ Watt, your goal isn't to retain, isn't to get a pick out of it. It's to gets to kill some cap. That's like your only goal. If right. you can get like a fourth round pick for him, even a third round pick, like you're you're gonna take that. But like well, the entire trying, idea is to dump out the cap. Deshaun yeah. Watson is the piece that you already have figured out. Even though as as good of a prospect as Trevor Lawrence is coming into the draft, you really have to consider like with every single college player that comes in the NFL, there is a chance that he's not good. That chance always exists. Deshaun Watson like- is for sure good and is for sure figured out. So yeah, you're paying him a shit ton of money, but the important, the most important person in your franchise is done in. So 
normally, at least what I would assume you would want to do as like a GM is now that you have, you come into this situation, you have this piece, but all this dead cap, you're going to want to shed around him and then build back from the ground up around your quarterback that you already have, that you already know is good. I don't know. I, I'm looking, I'd be looking at Deshaun Watson. I'm not saying he's not worth sticking around or not worth keeping, but I look at the team around him and all these hits that he takes over already in his career. And do I want to keep putting him out there with a roster that I'm going to be trying to build around him? You know, like there's just that chance that he's going to take that one hit too many under that line that you're going to have to start reworking and putting together. And it's just not, you're going to, The idea idea is you already figure out, like, all right, so, like, if you shed a good chunk of the dead cap, the the two things you got to pay, you always, always, big number one rule with an offense, the two things you're going to pay is your quarterback and your left tackle. They already have. Right, and they already have that. That's done. Yeah, Tunsil's done. Yeah, that's done. That part's done, which is, like, great, right? You got four other people on your offensive line right. that's not doing that great. Right, so that's the part, that's that, those are the pieces you have to cycle out. That's kind of what I'm getting at, though, because if you if you take Trevor Lawrence, there's nobody's going to have an issue with you trotting out some Ryan Fitzpatrick type person his first season to take the hits that Trevor Lawrence just doesn't have to. You can't do the same with Deshaun Watson. You can't just bring in somebody to absorb those hits now that Deshaun Watson, you know, this big star. Yeah. Um, as for, I, I just seeing that we're, we're talking about the, um, we're talking about the, the Texans offensive line. Um, I have in front of me, I have their, their grades, their PFF grades. So we know Laramie Tunsil's good. He's currently the eighth best tackle in the league. Um, overall grade of 82. He's got a pass blocking grade of 87, which is really good. Um, run blocking grade of uh, right underneath 70. Uh, after that, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. It's uh, Sineo Clemetti. I've yeah. one of their guards. Calamete. Calamete. I'm sorry. Uh, he's got an 85 pass blocking grade. Uh, you have Nick Martin, their center. He's at 77. Um, they have a tight end in Jordan Atkins, who actually grades out as a 77. Um, but it's the other tackle spot and the two guard or the other guard spot that seem to be the issue, which is uh, Titus Howard grading out at a 55 and Zach Fulton, who's grading out at a 53. Um but I mean, to have three of your five offensive linemen grading in the in the high seventies into the eighties, like part of me wants to think, like, okay, you can get away with this from a pass block. Now their run blocking statistics are atrocious, like all of them, every single one of them. It's not great. So it's kind of it's becoming the situation with the Texans O line where it's they're they're doing better in pass protection. They're struggling in run protection. And you could potentially have this situation where, okay, maybe we don't need an overhaul on the offensive line. Maybe we just need a scheme change. 
you know, if we're so much better pass blocking than we are run blocking, maybe we should be throwing the ball more. And I know that this is the big topic of this whole year with the way Russ and all of them have been playing. But when you have these numbers and you realize like how good they've been pass blocking and you consider who they've gone up against so far this year, which is the Chiefs pass rush and the Ravens pass rush and the uh, Steelers pass rush. And they're grading out pretty well. Maybe this offensive line doesn't need the overhaul that we think, but we just need to kind of fix maybe our priorities offensively. And I, I still think the contracts, the contract situation as Corey's talked about, you can't have that many, that much money allocated to guys like Randall Cobb and, you know, as much as, you know, Brandon Cooks is a good player. Brandon Cooks is is on his fourth team in like five years. Yeah, but he's gotten a thousand yards on all the other teams. Well, okay, then why has he been cut? I don't know, dude. Because people um, keep giving first and second round picks. Right, <laughs> right. Um, well, then, okay, well, then if that's the case, then the Texans could just flip him again for another first round pick. That's what I'm I, saying. I guess that's true. Unload the roster and start new. But I wouldn't unload Deshaun. Why? You're just going to let him get go out there and get hit 20 times a game? Well, that's what I'm saying is that it, I'm looking at the things here and it doesn't seem like their their offensive line pass blocking is the issue. Yeah, but if you're going to get rid of uh, one of his his targets and everything, like he's just going to hold on to the ball longer than he already does and get more hits. Everything that I- everything that the that the Texans have to do this upcoming offseason is all going to be free agency. All of and it. And draft. And draft, yeah. The, what draft? Well, yeah, they don't have a first round pick. What, what draft? <laughs> they don't have a first or second barely, round pick. They yeah. barely even have a draft. Right. Most of most of their most of the capital that, that this that new GM is gonna go in and is gonna have to do it'll be all free agency. You're gonna unload your picks, you're un, you're gonna unload your, your expensive blood expensive contracts that aren't worth the money anymore. Unload them. Deshaun Watson is like I understand that like like from a pure money standpoint, I would I would hundred percent agree with your 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 stance on Deshaun Watson. But he's but worth the he's, money. Right. That's the difference is he's he's definitely worth the money. That's that's a standard quarterback contract going forward. So like if you want to take that gigantic risk, you can unload Deshaun Watson. Maybe if you're lucky to get Trevor Lawrence, it will wait till the end. It's just too difficult, I think. No GM is going to walk in and try to move that many chess pieces at once. This entire thing hinges on the idea. Well, yeah, I'll take care of it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's well, that's what I'm saying. The whole thing hinges on a team's desire to move off of Trevor Lawrence and. I actually listened to uh, the herd this morning with Chris Collinsworth and Chris Collinsworth. Obviously he knows a lot about the Cincinnati Bengals and he, he flat out told Colin, he's like the Bengals were not taking any offers. He's like, they didn't care if it was like eight first round picks. They didn't care. Right. But look at the teams that are going to be around that first pick this year outside the jets. I, I think you have a good chance of the team wanting to trade back and get more picks. As as it stands, we're looking at a team, or I should say a couple teams. Um, 
or maybe even the Jets, even the Jets might, if you offer them Deshaun Watson, they might give you the pick just because they don't want to take it. They'll rather take the sure thing than roll their dice on another Sam Darnold, you know? That that's see that's another interesting dynamic of this with the Jets is that that Sam Darnold's not playing this week. Joe Flacco's playing. Oh, uh, Sam Darnold got injured in that last game. We saw him exit for a few plays, and then he came back in. But after he was evaluated by a actual medical staff, they think it's best for him not to play. That's that's what I was going to point out was that I found it interesting that he went back in and played and maybe the Jets are treating this as like a, okay, we know maybe we don't put him out there. Yeah, I mean, he just he didn't go back in the locker room. He just went into tent, right? Yeah, he just went right into the tent and then went and then came back out. I mean, I, I, I don't know if they're actual doctors or not, but I don't think they can really. If he says he can still throw and move it right, I don't think they're going to do anything about it. You know, I'm not yeah, sure um, if he can't move his arm or do the correct throwing motion without being in pain, then he's going to go back to the locker room. Yeah, I'm sure after the game, like the team medical and spiritual supervisor both said that he shouldn't play. Spiritual supervisor. The, uh, the what now? The spiritual supervisor. All right, then. Like yeah, if you if you if you play again, you might uh play this week. You might just like I don't know, I just quit. Speaking of uh, demon, speaking of quarterbacks not playing, Dwayne Haskins got benched. It, the Redskins this season, he's one in three as a sixty-one percent completion ratings. Threw for nine hundred thirty-nine yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions. Uh, has four fumbles and two lost fumbles. That's crazy. Yeah, but he's played absolutely awful. Dwayne Haskin is playing like Josh Allen if he wasn't getting touchdowns. Josh Allen is the starter uh, this week, they said. Kyle Josh Allen. Allen was drafted Kyle Kyle Allen was in Carolina. Uh, they might be trying to see what they have with Carolina uh, with Kyle Allen, somebody who's more familiar with, I know, Ron Revere is a more of a defensive-minded coach, but he still might have his offensive systems uh, that they use that carried over uh, from Carolina. So he might just be seeing, you know, uh, what he has there at quarterback while the season's still salvageable. Yeah, well, you got. I think that's part of it as an aspect, and the other part of it is just like it, it's time. I think. I think it's. It's. I mean, not. Not like. In my opinion, but it's I think Ron Rivera's like it's time to just like shut this thing down. The season's not going well. We have only we only have one win, which is like competitive in the division. But you're right, they are only it's one game out of the division. Wins. Yeah. But it, it it's already not looking good. He's been looking terrible. Uh he's not Ron Rivera's guy, he has no investment in him. He does he, he doesn't pay it any mind. If he sees his quarterback playing terrible, just bench him. And like it, it, and when at that point it's been made abundantly clear that you know he's not their guy. He's not going to continue to be on that do, guy. He's either going to be a backup or get moved off the team. Do you want to know the the comp that no one has made? And it was such a good comp. 
as far as like not necessarily his athletic ability and his playing ability, but more so the situation that he was in. Dwayne Haskins is is Mitch Trubisky. Like Mitch Trubisky did not Mitch Trubisky played about a little over a season worth of games for North Carolina. Yeah. And got drafted second overall. Dwayne Haskins, again, in college, played 12 games and was then thrust into the NFL. And basically just because of the physical tools that he had. Right. So the idea alone that Dwayne Haskins was going to be able and Mitch Trubisky the same way that these guys who don't have they just don't have the snaps. They, they, they just don't have the games played that they're going to be able to go in on a crappy team and kind of drag that team out and, and make and, and make good plays and automatically be a great player. Is just foolish. Like, I don't think it's Dwayne Haskins fault that he wasn't ready. He was thrown in at Washington with little to no preparation. They just kind of threw him out there whenever they were losing. And then now this year, he's kind of the de facto starter because yeah, all, all the other quarterbacks they had weren't working out. Colt McCoy's not there. They don't want to put Alex Smith out there yet. And Kyle Allen was terrible last year. So they said, oh, well, let's just roll with Dwayne Haskins. Dwayne Haskins, not ready. <laughs> he wasn't ready. No. And and the fact that he's now going to be benched. Like. I don't I don't I know it's too early to kind of call it a career on a guy like Josh Rosen's career is over. Right. Right. Yeah. Like Josh Rosen's career is over. Like if this benching is permanent for Dwayne Haskins and he never gets another chance to play this year for Washington, his career's over. Like the NFL is very unforgiving, <laughs> especially a quarterback. So, yeah, I mean, that's the nature of the beast. You have to, you have to succeed right away. And maybe he shouldn't have left for the draft. That's an, that's true. He could have stayed. I understand that. I just think, I just think he was put in an, in, a, in a lose, lose situation where it was so clear that he wasn't ready he was so raw as a prospect. He'd only played 12 collegiate games. And then he's asked to come in on a crappy team. And he struggles. Obviously, he's going to struggle. And I don't disagree with the benching. I think Washington's trying to. I mean, we mentioned it. Washington's literally <laughs> a half game out of first place. Like they're trying to win. So I don't blame them for benching him, but I think it's really unfair just for Dwayne Haskins being in the situation that he was in. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's really unfortunate and it, it, it sucks, but like this is it's just how it how it is with him. I don't know. And it's, it's, it's hard to tell, like it, it's hard to really say like what he he really was just put in a bad situation overall, because I understand why he declared when he. Because he had that super successful season in Ohio State, and probably the only time he was going to be guaranteed a higher pick. Which makes it's, sense. It's really unfortunate, because if you look at his second year stats so far, and through the first four games, and compare them with Josh Allen's first four games of his second season, 
Dwayne Haskins blows Josh Allen out of the water. Oh, like those first couple starts? Yeah, no, just the first four starts of their, his second season. Not oh, his, you're talking about like the first four games this year and then the first four games of Josh Allen last, in, year. last year in their second seasons. Right. Yeah. The, lot, Not, the, the it, lost fumbles is uh, really concerning. Josh Allen had six picks so at this point last season. He's to, compared to three touchdowns. He had nowhere near as many yards. Maybe looks like 700 yards. It's just not, not great. Yeah, but what was Dwayne Haskins hurtling over guys? No, he wasn't. You don't pay quarterbacks to hurdle over people. Did you pay Josh Allen to hurdle over people, baby? Let's go. <laughs> they're going to. That's what they're going to pay him to do. Yep. Or they're going to pay him to throw sixty-yard bombs on first down and ten to Stephon Diggs when all you're trying to do is run out the clock. Which was the most Bills Josh Allen thing I've ever seen in my life. Like, oh yeah, yeah. we could just run the clock out and win this game. Nah. Oh, by the way, I did watch as an aside, I did watch Gridiron Heights, Corey. So okay. I know you I know you were gonna check just to make sure. Yeah. Um Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> I think Washington's Washington's not going anywhere. Like they're not going to be the team that comes out of this division. I don't know who it's going to be. <laughs> Probably Philly. I think they. I think Washington has just as good a chance as any of the other teams to come out of this division. Honestly. Oh my god. And I still probably believe that Philly has the best chance. I think Dallas has the best chance if Van Der Esch comes back and is healthy. That's my that's my thinking. When he comes back, the defense is going to be night and day difference. And that's just, that's, that's the motherfucking T on Dallas. I think it'll be night and day. I think it'll be like night and sunset. Uh, like it, it'll be, it'll be right. It'll be good enough that you can see some light, but you probably should still go home because it's getting kind of late. That's, that's, that's where I think they're going to be. So, uh, real quick, what teams have you guys been proud of slash surprised by in the first quarter of the season? What teams have I been proud of? Yeah. Hmm. Cleveland? I've been proud of Cleveland. I've been exceptionally proud of Cleveland. Like, okay, so I, I saw, like, the one EPA thing that you shared earlier, Kuiper, or I think you retweeted. Yeah, but I had one like NFL team tiers win probability five to ninety five percent weeks one through four downs one two three and four, and like it, it put it on a graph with offensive EPA per play and defensive EPA per play, and the Browns are fourth. It's Bills, Green Bay, or Bills, Kansas City, Green Bay, Cleveland. That's like where I have, and then obviously it's still crazy because like even though the Colts are in the middle, like overall they're at the very top as far as defensive. <laughs> The Colts defense is, is just disgusting. Mad. Just disgusting. They right? have, they have them, I know I said this the same time last year with the 49ers, but they haven't played anybody yet. Well, that's the thing. It's going to be really interesting to see. Wait, who? The Colts? Yeah. 
you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they fare this week against the Browns with that super efficient offense and number one rushing attack. As long as because I'll, I, well, the the two big two of the big components of that Colts defense both did not practice today. It was uh, Darius Leonard and Bobby Okariki. So that could potentially be a problem for the Colts. But I, as far as, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll say Cleveland first. The reason I'm proud of Cleveland is solely because they they brought in Kevin Stefanski and Kevin Stefanski did not change his system to no, what they were doing. Kevin Stefanski running is running like number one running team in the NFL. Even now without Chubb, uh, Kareem is still like if you take fantasy wise, Kareem is still like number seven or eight among all running backs. So like you just have a you, two studs, so you lose one stud. Oh no, what are we gonna do? I guess Kareem gets more touches now. I, I don't know if like the split was helping him or not, but like uh, Browns can be scary, dude. That uh, backup for. The Browns came up and had uh, 95 yards on 13 carries. Yeah, Damian Hillard, right? Is that? Is I don't think it's Hillard. Uh, I don't know who their I don't know who their other running back is. I'll look it up. What do you guys expect from uh, the 49ers moving forward? I think it shows that. Like Bethard would have won that game had they had Bethard played from the beginning and not Mullins, and I stand by that. Um, I think it's like painfully obvious now. Um, we spend uh, we spent like the last two years like kind of talking shit on Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think it's like painfully apparent now that he is a key component on why the Forty ers win games, and we need to stop. <laughs> yeah. Because like the, the record is just it's, too obvious. Let's let's. Here's the thing about Jimmy Garoppolo: the, the, he's he's one of those quarterbacks that's like. Let's not both of these things can be true. Jimmy Garoppolo is not a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, right? He's not. No, but also simultaneously, Jimmy Garoppolo is a really good quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Right. Like this is true. Like to both things can be true. Like the 49ers without Jimmy Garoppolo have in the Kyle Shanahan era have only won five games. But in the Kyle Shanahan era with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they've only lost like five games. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's one of those things where. I don't know, like for a little bit there, it looked like. Like they were going to be able to get it done with Nick Mullins because the Eagles were just so devastated with injury and like beating up on the Giants and the Jets. Who cares? Like they're the two worst teams in the league. But it looked like they were being somewhat competitive with the Eagles and then Nick Mullins just unraveled and then C.J. Beathard goes out there and just starts chucking it. Down Which the was kind of insane. It is kind of insane. Um, especially with like how injured they are, too, defensively. Um, I don't know. I, I The 49ers, I think, now that their offense is healthy, I think we're going to see this shift to kind of more of what the 49ers... You see, the thing about the 49ers last year, I know I'm going all over the place, but the thing about the 49ers last year, why I was so impressed with them, is they won in virtually every way you could possibly win. Like, they blew teams out. They 
had a couple come from behind victories. They won a couple shootouts. Like there were games where Jimmy Garoppolo dropped back 35 times and threw it. There were games where Jimmy Garoppolo dropped back 12 times and mostly handed off the ball. Like that offense, I think, is still going to be really good. So and they showed last year that they could win that way. So I don't I'm not worried about them. They just need to get healthy. I think now I don't think that they're going to be able to catch the Seahawks or the Rams in the division, but I still think the the San Fran could easily make the playoffs by the end of the year if they get everybody. Especially with the extra playoff spot, right? If Jimmy comes back and th- their entire secondary is out, but they're all expected to come back. Um, obviously, you know, uh, um, I'm blank. Bosa's not coming back, and D Ford may not come back, but. You know, you're still going to get your secondary. You still have good linebackers. You still have um, Eric Armstead. Javon Kinlaw, the rookie, has actually played really good. Shocking. This, the 49ers found a D-tackle that plays well. Um, I just think it's going to be a slight shift to, okay, we have to ask a little bit more of our offense. And we already saw that they have a <laughs> they have a guy in Brandon Ayuk who can literally jump over men. So that was insane on Monday night. So, and Jarek McKinnon has just walked into a Shanahan offense and has been extremely productive because that's what happens to running backs in Kyle Shanahan offenses. So I think the 49ers will be fine. I don't think they're a deep playoff team anymore simply because of the injuries. Um, I still think once they get healthy, I think they could still be, you know, a, a 10 win team by the end of the year. I, I think you lost a lot, maybe too much with those Nick Bosa and D. Ford and Thomas. Oh, Solomon Thomas and and D. Ford going down. Um, I think they're. I don't think they can get the te- the double digit wins with those guys out. Maybe I mean. I think I think their ceiling's probably nine wins if everybody else can come back and mm-hmm. produce. But I don't know. It's just not looking good for them in that division. Though the Arizona seemed to have been an imposter for a little bit. Or they just lost it and just need to refine themselves. Maybe they need to get a spiritual advisor over in Arizona. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know how well it how well is it working for uh for good old Sam Darnold, do you think? Probably not well, huh? Maybe it works better over by uh Silicon Valley. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it's in Silicon Valley, dude. I think I also like I know like we're wrapping really far back, but I do agree with you guys that I think the Browns are the most impressive team so far this season to me. Like as far as like expectations versus reality. That's what I was saying this off season. If it doesn't happen for them this season, I don't think it ever will, and it's starting to yes, yes, yeah, well, it's starting to happen. I feel like it's an interesting take there, only because like any other team, we could give the excuse that COVID happened to them. So if Cleveland had played bad, could we have fallen back on that, or would we have no. to go stand by? No, because they haven't had because the, the roster hasn't changed much. 
That's the thing. Like we talked about, the people who COVID are going to hit the most are the non-established rosters. Um, even with new coaches, I still think like if the, the like the younger players, the players who are moving, uh, usually tend to have more problems, despite the system. So, with uh, with Justin Herbert so far. Oh, yeah. He's excellent. Justin Herbert has actually looked really impressive. I know you weren't big on him coming out of the draft. I wasn't, no. He seemed very... A lot of people were saying that, that Oregon's offense was very conservative which is why he looked so erratic at times because he wasn't given the like the the freedom to just kind of tear it loose and when he did it was usually too late and he was forcing he was forcing throws and and stuff like that but I, there was just a lot of stuff that I saw and a lot of the stuff I read from scouts that I really trust that they they he they just thought that he's too erratic like He's he was very similar to Josh Allen in that sense, but now people are starting to say, okay, well maybe he's a little more. He's not as talented. He doesn't have the arm talent. I know this. This is a dangerous comparison to make. No, I understand but, what you're saying now. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's what it, that's what I couldn't see. I, I'm I don't know, but he did he's have pretty a good. Pretty good deep ball there in that game against Tampa Bay, though. Oh my God! Yeah, the sixty yard bomb when he was running backwards. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. Yeah, looked very Mahomes-ish. All right, looked so I want to round off this this episode by looking ahead. Tomorrow night we got a game. What do you guys think? Sneaky, sneaky, important game. Yeah, like kind of a sneaky important game, huh? Between Tampa and in Chicago. Yeah, Nick Foles gonna do it again to Tom Brady. I don't know, dude. He might. I At the think, same time, that, that Tampa Bay defense should just shut everything down. I think they will. <laughs> I think Tampa Bay is, is going to... That game is going to look a lot like what happened to the to the Bears by the Colts, where the Bears are just unable to do anything until the fourth quarter, and then Tampa Bay kind of lets off the gas defensively and... Hopefully, Allen Robinson catches another garbage time touchdown for my fantasy team. But I don't know what Tom Brady's going to do out there by himself, pretty much. Oh, well, Chris Godwin's not playing. And I don't think Mike Evans is playing either. Really? Yeah, I don't. I, I think he has like his like most of his weapons are out. Yeah, but that's been like. Tom Brady's entire career is having nobody. Yeah, but, he's, but they were with with a team that he had, you know, practice time with, and not just COVID time. And we'll Co- see. COVID time. That this is see, this is going to be the big Gronk pop off game. Gronk's going to have like seventeen catches. For they've been trying to get the ball to him deep. There's a couple times where they they take that shot. And uh, he hasn't he hasn't come down with it yet, but there's going to be one. There's going to be a big Rob Gronkowski uh, deep shot. And our friend Genhart is going to pop his pants. Yeah, he got to do a 
I, I think <laughs> do a little poopy poop. Oh yeah, a little poopy poop. Um, I think that I think Tampa is almost a lock here. I think we all kind of agreed prior to last week that out of all the undefeated teams, Chicago kind of smelt kind of smelled the fishiest. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Who's, yeah, the, like, who's, the, who's the fishiest uh, undefeated team left now? You think uh, Tennessee? Because yep. <laughs> because they might not they're play never, games, right? Because they're not going to be able to play games because they're fucking stupid. Yeah, I think it's between Tennessee and Pittsburgh, the fishiest undefeated team left. Which is so stupid because they were supposed to play, right? We could have had we, an answer for one of them. Yeah, we would have had the answer. But All right, so I got the injury report for Tampa Bay up. Chris Godwin's yeah. out with a hamstring injury. LaShawn McCoy's out with an ankle injury. Uh, wide receiver Justin Watson's out with a chest injury. Leonard Fournette is doubtful with an ankle injury. Mike Evans is questionable with an ankle injury. Scotty Miller is questionable with a hip groin injury. Those are all. That's six. And that is like literally oh, every weapon that might not play for Tom Brady. That is like almost all of Tampa Bay's starting weapons. He has Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn. And OJ Howard. Scotty Miller out of the season. He tore his Achilles. Oh, yeah, that's, right. that's right. That's yeah. right. Scotty Miller is going to catch three touchdown passes. You watch. He's quite, he might not play. Oh, is did you list him on the injury? Yeah. I, didn't even, I didn't hear his name. I'm Brian sorry. Miller, Mike Evans, Leonard Fournette, Justin Watson, LaShawn McCoy, Chris Godwin. Yeah, there's like nobody. There's like literally nobody. They're, they're gonna trot out whoever doesn't fail a COVID test from off the streets in Florida, which is probably nobody. they might not be able to find one with the way Florida's open back up. That's Tom Brady wild. just sighs and goes back to throwing the deck chairs like he used to. Someone, someone call up. Uh, someone call Philip Dorsett. <laughs> get him to get him to come down to Tampa for hey, a Phil. game. Hey Philly, I need you to run. I need you to run nothing but streak routes down the left side of the field. Okay. Oh, so I, I wanted to share. I, I don't know if um, I don't know if we wanted to. Did you guys already talk about the Tennessee stuff before oh, yeah. I got here? Okay, good. Um. The only thing I wanted to say about I'll let you guys wrap up. I got to go. All right. Okay, Matt. The only thing I want to say about Tennessee is not even about Tennessee. It's about all the teams that are complaining about the idea that Buffalo could potentially get a win from a forfeiture. Like. If you if you have an issue with Buffalo having their opponent willingly go against protocols that causes them to have an outbreak, which then causes them to have a forfeited game. My advice to that team that is upset about it would be when you get the chance to play Buffalo, whenever that is, whether it be in the postseason or the regular season, beat them. Just beat them. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Well, like, instead I don't... of blaming Buffalo, you should blame the Tennessee fucking Titans, who right. any other team in the fucking NFL seem to be struggling with all of these confirmed cases. They're the only Literally. team. Right. They're the only team. And there's, and, there's like, no way, like, something fishy has to be going on when you go a day without a single positive test. 
and, and you come back the next day with more. And on top of that, let's not forget that Minnesota still has zero, zero positives. Right, so it's something they did. Right, who they played a football game <laughs> against a team that has 20, and they have zero. So clearly, the act of playing football did not cause these positives in Tennessee. It was clearly them just being I'm sorry, I know you guys talked about this already, but like I'm so pissed off about it. Clearly, they're just being negligent. And it is so insanely frustrating. And to the people and the fans that are complaining that a forfeiture isn't fair. okay, nothing about this season is fair. Nothing about it. Right. So. If that means that Buffalo ends up going 14 and 2 and their only losses are to one to New England and one to Kansas City and that means that Buffalo gets the number 1 overall seed and they get a bye week, okay, New England and Tennessee or New England and Kansas City, just go beat them in Buffalo if you're better than them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just hate I hate the people that were that were all up in arms about Buffalo potentially getting a free win like that that irritated me so yeah. I wanted to get that off my chest yeah, long and short of it um, if you have any, if you want to blame anybody for what's happening blame the Titans blame the Titans put them in a That's, rocket ship and send them to Mars right like I don't know what else to tell you <laughs> um, I do know what to tell you what's is that? that we need to wrap this sucker up okay can I just share one thing with you guys you better, real quick you better make we go. it quick I got one minute okay all right, so there is uh, obviously on PFF we have uh, pass blocking and run blocking grades. Would you like to know that there is a wide receiver that has a higher run blocking grade than every single qualifying offensive tackle except for one? Tell me who. Cooper Cup. I fucking love that. Coopy Cup. <laughs> Cooper Cup has an 89 run blocking grade. 89. It's wild, dude. <laughs> I needed to share that with you guys. I thought that was fascinating. For the wrong Rams receiver. We need to trade for Cooper Cup so they could put him in that, on that uh, line there to block for David Johnson. <laughs> True. And with that, uh, we're going to close this one out. Thank you all so much for listening. Make sure you go to patreon.com slash FADPOD. If you feel like giving us money, please give us money. Go to twitter.com slash FADPOD. Get in your fat pot hot takes. We can read them here on the show coming up for our Friday show. And uh, we'll see y'all in two days. I love you. I don't. <laughs>